1: IB Nation, good morning. Good afternoon, actually, here on a Monday morning, which means we are doing our recruiting hour here at IrishBreakTown.com. Wanna thank everybody so much for the complete support of this show. I already have in the chat before we started, even started the show. I love you guys because you all have a great conversation out there. We already had Colin Smith say, Sean and Ryan are a lethal combo. Always look forward to Monday recruiting talk. Coleman, I always look forward to it as well. I will have someone joining me. In a little bit here, maybe Sean, maybe Brian Driscoll, not 100% sure, but of course, I am Ryan Roberts, the director of scouting here at irishbreakdown.com. Have an exciting show for you all today. Before I kind of go through a little bit of the rundown, if you could like this video, you could hit the share button, you could hit the notification bell, because we'll be having a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of shows here in the near future. We'll have the Upon Further Review tonight at 8 o'clock. We'll have at 6 o'clock, IB Nation Sports Talk with Sean Styers and Vince D'Addario, so have a three, three shows for you all today. So it's going to be really exciting times. I know there's a lot of questions that are already rocking and rolling. So make sure to get those in because the last segment of the day, we'll be doing a mailbag. But before we get there, right? have a couple of really fun things I want to talk about today on this recruiting hour. First and foremost, I teased it on the board. You should go to boards.irishbreakdown.com if you aren't signed up there. I teased it on the board. About last week, around this time, maybe it might have been on Wednesday, actually, of last week, that I had a couple of really cool interviews coming to you all here very soon. So, one that you've already seen, and it'll be up as a solo show, I believe, on the YouTube channel here pretty soon, but it was a one-on-one interview with Jeremiah Love, who at that point was not publicly committed to Notre Dame, but I had the chance to sit down one-on-one with Jeremiah for about a 15-minute interview, and I'll say this, man... I really enjoyed it. I think everybody out there that listened to the interview on our on our show on Saturday for the commitment with Jeremiah, I think that we got a pretty positive you know, feedback as far as the caliber of person he is, obviously the caliber of player he is, is without mentioning, right? So I think that you all enjoyed that one. And I have another interview for you today that we're going to show in just a second. And then we're going to get into the weeds of this past recruiting weekend, right? Jeremiah Love commitment, had a lot of great players on campus committed and uncommitted alike Brandon Hillman 2023 athletes out of Churchland in Virginia was on campus Ryan Wingo star 2024 wide receiver out of St. Louis University was on campus as well there was a lot of I mean Drake Bowen CJ Carr was on campus a lot of great recruits that were on campus this week this past weekend for the Stanford um, Stanford visit but I want to start you out with this interview. It's a fun interview. I hope you all enjoy it. It's pre-recorded, so I'll be able to answer anything in the chat if you guys have any follow-up questions or if you just want to chat it up after this one. So I had the privilege of being joined on the show last week, pre-recorded show. Had the chance to get Shonda Gray on, who is the mother of Christian Gray, and I had a great conversation with her. If you all have seen the interviews I've done in the past, I had Don Schuler on, who is the who is, of course, the the father of a Don Schuller had on before Glenn James, the father of, of Braylon James in the 2023 class. Always also had a sit down interview in the past with Debbie Odding, the mother of Joe Odding, the 2023 offensive lineman out of the state of Kansas. So I had a chance to sit down with Shonda Gray, who people that don't follow recruiting a ton. Christian Gray is a 2023 cornerback commits out of the St. Louis area as well. He's out of Dismissed Jesuit. He's a good friend with Jeremiah Love. They are really now trying to push Notre Dame to continue to get into St. Louis. So we're going to talk to Shonda, or I talked to Shonda, about a little bit of the recruiting background, what Christian's been up to lately, how excited they are to kick off the Notre Dame career. So want to kick us off today with that wonderful interview with Shonda Gray. So hope you all enjoy it so much. I know I personally really did enjoy all the commentary that she provided with me, and uh it was a fun conversation. So without further ado, Shonda Gray, the mother of 2023 cornerback commit, Christian Gray, joined the show here. And if uh, if you all could just throw in the chat when it starts, if you can hear the video all right, would really appreciate it to just kind of get that background, all right? So without further ado, Shonda Gray, mother of 2023 cornerback commit, Christian Gray, out of Dismay Jesuit in St. Louis, Missouri.
2: Welcome
1: everyone to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's a little recruiting edition for you all. I know on the message board, on the YouTube channel, I know you all really like to hear when we kind of go inside and behind the scenes to Notre Dame recruiting, bringing you a different perspective, which is always a lot of fun. So as everyone knows on IrishBreakdown.com, we have been a huge fan of Christian Gray, the 2023 cornerback out of the Smith Jesuit in St. Louis, Missouri. Leading what seems to be a dynamic group of St. Louis players over the next couple years that may be coming to Notre Dame, and I have with me someone that I think is going to give us a really interesting and unique perspective. We've had in the we've had in the past Glenn James on to talk about a little bit of Braylon James's recruitments, the 2023 wide receiver, 2023 safety commit, Don Schuler. His father came on, Don Schuler, as well as Debbie Odding, the mother. Of 2023 offensive lineman Joe Odding. So I want to bring on another mother's perspective here today. So I have Shonda Gray, who is the mother of Christian Gray. Like I said, out of St. Louis, Missouri. Shonda, I know we've had a little bit of technical issues over the last couple days, but thank you so much for all of your flexibility and welcome to the show today.
3: Thank you for having me. No problem.
1: (laughs) And people that don't know behind the scenes, we have we tried to interview yesterday. There were some technical issues, StreamYard is killing me, all that good stuff. 2022 and technology is still a hassle all the time. But Sean, I guess a good place to start here, something that I asked you yesterday that's pretty similar, is I know that you have an education background. So you are a person that I know, like myself, You know, I was once an educator, that takes those things very seriously, the opportunities at the next level, set yourself up for the future, So can you just talk about a little bit of your perspective, you know, a little bit of your background in education and maybe setting the table for why education was just such a big thing for your family, for Christian, for everyone to kind of find the best fit here?
3: Uh, uh, Yes. So um, I've been an educator now for 23 years, Um, been a classroom teacher, um, building administrator, district administrator, (laughs) state administrator just as well so, um, it's very important to me about being um uh, prepared for college, going to college, and also being career uh prepared so after you um complete you know college, what are you gonna do after that and so that's um not a new conversation in our house, so Christian's been raised that way um his foundation been set around you know uh going to college and the expectation um even for his household for his goals for his future for his you know when he decides to get married and have a family um so we look at the long haul like how will this impact you know your the rest of your life and mm-hmm. so um yeah so as a family our education uh foundation is very important um and and that's it so that's been established uh college planning is not new to Christian Christian's been aware. Christian was attending college fairs with me for work. So um, he's used to talking to admissions reps and um, learning about graduation rates and all those different things. And so those are things that um, I had to remind Christian of doing this recruiting process. The recruiting process was the added, the additional piece that we had to learn about. Well, I had to learn about. Um sure. And so, yeah. But education has been important to us for, yeah. That's just- trying
1: to. <laughs> let, let me ask you because obviously you've been a great support to Christian. I, mean, I know your whole family has kind of helping to guide him. But has there been any moments where you have kind of maybe just stepped back for a second and been like, "Wow, he's handling this really well," like surprisingly well? Because I mean, he's still a young kid, right? Obviously, making a. Life-changing yeah. decision. I mean, college is a huge, huge decision. I know you've been a guiding light. I know you've been a support, but just how impressed have you been with Christian? Just kind of maybe the 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 um the resources that he's been able to use, the the maybe wherewithal to understand, like, hey, this is ultimately my decision, and I need to, you know, make the best of it as I can.
3: Yeah, so um it it got to a point where it was just a clear understanding that, you know, um letting Christian know, like, hey, you have to make this decision at the end of the day. I'm not gonna be there. I don't have to be there. Um, you have to attend classes. You have to, you know, um, work with your coaches. And um, we are a big relationship family. Like, we are big on about developing and maintaining relationships. And so that was one of the things, too, that was an added piece. But watching Christian actually in this, um, wow, um, how can – I don't know where to start. Okay, so (laughs) first of all, it was – I was nervous in the beginning, Mm -hmm. and and, um, especially, like, when – people wanted to talk to him. So reporters, uh, people calling. And so that I had to sit in with him um, every time, like at first, like, what are you saying? What questions are you answering? And you know, how is he handling that? Right. And so um, I don't think people really know, like Christians recruiting, like it was just all of a sudden, like it was this Mm -hmm. thing that just happened after we started going to those camps and it changed it changed our whole plan. It changed our whole everything. And so as I watched Christian over the time and Christian's young for his age, Christian's 17, like he's mm-hmm. a late 17 year old too. Uh, and so, so I listened to him, they'll talk to, you know, you guys talk to reporters and uh, talk to the coaches. So when we were started going in and he's talking to coaches, I, as a as a mom but also as an educator i was like whoa like you're prepared like even your responses as i'm hearing and listening to what he's saying to the coaches and i was like okay long as we have these things established that this is what we're looking for in schools and so not the names of the school Mm -hmm. this is great it's fascinating um the names but um this is what we're looking for and so when we sat down as a family and decided, you know, based on these things, not the school, but based on, you know, making sure that your faith, you know, like you have access to, um, you know, to just the word of God, not the school, so to say, but just having access to that, that presence is uh, available to you. But the academic and the, um, the other thing we were looking at, I think Christian was looking at brotherhood, looking at mm-hmm. team. And so once I knew that he kind of got that understanding, um, it was good. The whole thing though, was to make sure, you know, about him remaining humble um, and, and just seeing things for what they are uh, yeah. looking past the, the lights, the shiny lights, the, Oh, I got to offer from here. And I, now, okay. So what's the realistic Christian, where would you really like to go? And yeah. so once, we got that understanding in our household that also too is Christian's ultimate decision, but it's also a family decision. How we, Mm -hmm. it's how you cultivate it and everything. Like, okay, it's a family decision, but it's also your decision. And, um, and that's it. When we checked off those boxes of what we were looking for as a family and then what Christian was looking for as a young man that, you know, I was really impressed with him. Um, As time went on, I was, Listen, I can't even explain it. I was just saying this to him the other day, how proud of, like, I'm really proud of him because even with the high school, you know, that he's at, he's been through three different uh, coaches, three different head coaches, four different DB (laughs) coaches, and four um, defensive coordinators. And so I just, I mean, I am impressed. Like, I am. I'm really proud of him. And, uh, yeah, so – once I felt like he was ready to handle it, like I said, once we established what we were looking for, for him um, as a family, but also what he was looking for as a young man, it was good to go. I trusted his uh, decision.
1: I love it. I love it. And, and again, I, I feel like again, guiding light support. It's been so important. I know because you've you've gone through this before, right? You have a, you have a daughter that's at Ohio State, if I remember correctly, when we were talking about yesterday. So
3: yeah, she is at Ohio State. This is her second year. Uh, and um, yeah, going through the process of just taking her to colleges and figuring out what's the best fit for her, um, she was not trying to pursue pursue a, um, I guess a sports, a athletic scholarship, but she is there are academic scholarships. So yeah. um, I am I am very I can't even explain to people like as a parent like these are some of the goals that you want to see. You know, not just your kids going to school, but they are doing pretty well. Um, yeah. and she's doing very well, but yeah, not the first time, but first time with recruiting. Yeah. yeah this was new to me.
1: <laughs> well, you should be very proud having a, a son that is going to go to Notre Dame and having a daughter that's already at Ohio state. Those are huge accomplishments, obviously two great schools. So let me ask you this. You said, you know, you had to kind of learn the recruiting process and all that good stuff. Was there, I'm kind of curious about Christian's background. Cause you said it kind of like recruiting just kind of came up, right? It's like, Oh, okay. This is kind of a thing after going to the camps, and I know he, especially a couple of years ago, I think he went to an Ohio state camp and he ran in like the four fours at six foot one. And it's just like, okay, yeah. that's, that's legit. Right. So let, let me hear um, a little bit about maybe Christian's athletic background. Was he always this kind of guy and just maybe a late bloomer? What was it was it something that's just come up pretty quickly where he had a great growth spurt? Like, I'm just curious about how quickly maybe the, maybe you had it like an inkling of like, Hey, Oh, he might, he might be, he might be someone on the football field. He might be pretty good.
3: Well, I didn't get that until later. I can tell you that for sure. But um, he's always been athletic, though. But he uh, was a kid that played baseball. He grew up playing baseball and basketball. Um, He did not, he didn't start playing football until like sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade. And he wanted to do that so he could hang out with his friends. Mm -hmm. And then um, by seventh grade, when we decided that uh, I had, well, both of my, so my daughter played volleyball too. So by the time they got to middle school, it's like, okay, you have to decide, like pick mm-hmm. a sport, pick pick an activity that you want to focus on because, you know, it's only one of me um, and I have to figure out, you know, my ex-husband passed when Christian was four, my daughter was mm-hmm. six. So this is, it's been us all this time. Yep. So by the time middle school came, I was like, Hey, you gotta, you have to pick one one or the other. Um, and he decided football. So with that, at the time, Christian in seventh and eighth grade, eighth grade, Christian attended a homeschool program. So, um, my parents were retired, so they kind of helped a little bit, but Christian went to school Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So on Tuesday and Thursdays was like, you know, his training days. So he chose football. He decided to do seven on seven. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's where it started. So he began to be trained as a DB wide receiver in seven on seven. And he got a chance to go play in Atlanta Falcon Stadium in one of the tournaments. And I think that's where it shifted. Um, It shifted for him. Like, I can do this. This is what I want to do. You know, I want to go to the NFL. So as a mom, but also as an educator, right? So like I, I tell kids, you can't go to school for football. You can't go to school for basketball. So I was like, by this time, we already knew he wanted to major in, he wanted to um, design hospital equipment by this time. Wow. He, he's like, I want to design hospital equipment. So we established that part. Like you have to major in some, you can't major in football, right? And But yep. um, we got to the clarity of like, this is what it's about. And so I didn't just see, I saw my kid grow in the classroom, like the structure. So when he was doing his homeschool program He had he didn't have PE. He only had five classes and they were strictly academic classes, math, science, English, social studies, and like a foreign language. And so the training became the PE part for him. Mm -hmm. So when he went to training on Tuesdays and Thursday, like but by eighth grade, his work ethic just it went like it changed significantly, like in the classroom, on the field, like Like, it made me a better person with work ethic because his work ethic was so just unreal, like, to see it at eighth grade, and then he kept on going, and he kept going, and he he put time aside, you know, to make sure he trained, um, got a speed trainer. We did all of those things, um, and then he went to the first camp we went to was the Under Armour camp that Mm -hmm. was in Ohio. And that's actually when my daughter saw Ohio State campus. But we went to that, like, I don't know if it's June or July, 2020. And mm-hmm. he went and he was like the youngest and he had, he received the uh, MVP award. Wow. And no one knew who he was. No one knew where this kid came from. He was like 15 years old at the time. He had just turned 15. His birthday, May 26th. <laughs> he just turned 15. And yeah, it was shocking so after that the next year we end up going to the um ohio state camp he got invited to the camp and we were real specific about the camps we had a a plan we had a schedule of what camps we were going to and went to ohio state i'll never forget i was sitting there in the indoor field and i was working i wasn't even paying attention and he was going um, from, you know, they did the 40 and then they had him run it again. And by this time I saw it was coach Coombs. There was some other coaches there and then coach day was standing there. And I was like, what happened? And then my mom was with me and she was like, they keep making them run. So he ran, it, he ran it a few times. And, um, and so, yeah, next thing I know they went out and they started doing, um, the, the, the DB drills and all those things. And then he came back in and he was doing one-on-ones and we got called into coach day's office. They, after that, and they offered them and it was just like, what just happened? <laughs> what really just happened? They gave us the card. And I was like, wow, what just happened? We were just at all. And so after that, yeah, we went on and it changed like our whole, um, our whole schedule so we came to the notre dame in, invasion camp i believe yes and he did it again and by that time i was like okay this is real like
1: the thing yeah
3: yeah it's a thing so um so yeah so we were very specific though if if anyone ever looked at his recruitment he was very intentional about where he went what schools he was going to Um, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't a question though, in the end, though, I think what happened when he got all those offers start coming in and as a kid, you like overwhelmed. And then I was overwhelmed, but watching him just like, okay, you have some idea where you want to go anyway, just, you know, and, and then there were some new places that came in uh, and I wanted to make sure he got to those camp that campus, but. That, rec- that, yeah, it changed, like, it changed. In one week, in two weeks, it just, it just became overwhelming. And what I do love about my son, what he did, he ended up coming in with me to make sure that, you know, he was sharing the information. Because sometimes we don't get the information as parents. Like, sure. um, you know, you get messages in your DM, you get, you know, I didn't know what any of that was at that time. So um I got on well I yeah, Twitter. Um mm-hmm. and I started following my son on all the social media platforms that he was connected to and trying to see what are these schools. So I start following the coaches that were following him. So then I can kind of, you know, see, you know, the background of the coaches, um, and then what people are saying about some of those coaches. And so yeah, I had to learn a lot. Um, within that short period of time but Christian did really good he did really really well
1: yeah now it's I know it probably got overwhelming at times with everyone because I mean we talked about this a little bit yesterday you know when we first started tried doing this it's like I mean Christian's getting offers from Ohio State Notre Dame you know pretty relatively in the same area of the country obviously right yeah. and then he's go get USC LSU and Alabama all over the place yeah so it's it's been wild. So I guess ultimately, Shonda, just from your perspective, and I know you know Christian's already kind of laid out his part of the story, but I guess my my encompassing question is why Notre Dame? You know, why did it end up being Christian's favorite school, the the place that made most sense to him? What, what was the family's perspective on making the decision? Like, just trying to pinpoint of why ultimately Notre Dame was the best fit for him.
3: Um. So. I would have thought it was just simple, right? you have our mm-hmm. the faith, you have the academic yeah. um and and it's a great school you know it had a it's just amazing um opportunity too for him right so I would have thought you know, but it wasn't what I can actually tell you when we came there initially, it wasn't like the first choice uh, but we mm-hmm. knew it was something like coach Freeman, which was the d c at the time yep. and coach mickens great. Like, just amazing coaches. And, you know, I come from education, so I'm all about data and, and understanding. And the um, my first comment to those two and to Coach Mickens was basically like, you guys are not going to stay here. <laughs> and, a, and it was a positive thing. But I'm watching, I'm watching, like, the games. I'm watching mm-hmm. the defense last year. I'm watching you guys shut people out. Like I'm watching. And then I am i know you came from Cincinnati, so I'm watching that, too. Right. And I'm watching these people that you go like you guys might have a great opportunity to go do something bigger. And I don't know where we stand with that. And I'll never forget that. We had that conversation with Coach Meekins and uh, I, he asked if you have any questions. I had 10 questions um, in. I want to say this because Coach Steeples actually helped us in this process in the beginning. Mm-hmm. He was walking with us. And I had 10 questions that he gave us to ask schools while we were out. And um, Notre Dame was the first school I asked all 10 questions to. Wow. And um, and they were, you know, the last two were really like, how long are you guys going to be here? Mm-hmm. and um, I remember Coach Mickens' response, and I just smiled, and I was like, you guys are some great coaches. <laughs> like, I just don't. Like, Mickens, you know, you coach Sauce Gardner. Like, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at you guys are gap closers. Like, I'm seeing, like, what you did for Cincinnati, and you least see Cincinnati last year. And I'm like, yeah. So, um, so, like I said, just understanding data and watching those things. And so um, then after that, the LSU offer comes and yep. it threw a wrench in everything. Um, but Ohio State was still there until so my daughter told him, you know, like, go where it's best for you. Don't mm-hmm. come here just because I'm here. Like, go where, you know, you can be great. Like, you can be great here, and I want you here. That's what my daughter told him. She said, I want you here with me. But like, just go where it's best for you. So I think after we start releasing him of a lot of those things of what our family, you know, those those more emotional ties, it was good to kind of see. But as we went to every school, that's where I really let Christian decide. Like, Mm -hmm. you got to decide if it's USC, Ohio State, LSU. Whatever. And and actually, Kentucky was in there for a minute, too, because it was like it's close to home, too. Yep. Um, but I tried to throw all of that out the window um, so he could go where he thought was the best place for him. And if it was USC, it was going to be USC. And so uh, step back as, as a parent. Christian, um, he always said, you know, we walked down the, um, the tunnel and uh, I don't know. I just start crying. Tears just came down my eyes like start and I was like I can't let him see I'm crying (laughs) because I want him to make a decision like I know this is the place for him but he has to decide and then um it really kind of like when coach Freeman got the head coach job yeah it kind of like okay well they're not going he's not going anywhere (laughs) so then like the our questions some of those things start getting answered a little bit that we got clarity. So like during the recruiting time, so no, actually when all the coaching changes was happening, that's when we shut everything down. Um, We had talked to coach Reed, like we just shut it down. Like, okay, Christian, let's just watch the movement of everything Mm -hmm. and what happens. And so then now it's about culture and climate of each school. I love the culture and climate at Notre Dame, but Christian has to love the culture and climate at Notre Dame too. And so as time went on, and I, I joke about this. We all joke about this because we were listening to you guys. Who like he's here for the seventh time. He's coming <laughs> for the seventh time. But the, we were supposed to come for the blue and gold game, and mm-hmm. he had a seven on seven uh, tournament. But we did a pop up visit. It was like, okay, listen, we're not going to go while everybody's there. We need to go where you can actually just have your own moment on the campus. It wasn't yep. even just talking to the coaches. It was just the his moment of embracing the campus, the campus to see, you know, if it's a good fit. And yeah, we did that. And you would have, I would have thought like, by then it was just like, okay, he knows he Mm -hmm. still didn't. Um, He was struggling with LSU and Notre Dame. And um, by this time I really stepped out of it and was like, okay, just decide. But it was like, I knew my daughter knew my mom knew like where he was supposed to be. Even people mm-hmm. in our church knew, like just knew, like this is it's a place for him where he can be who he is and embrace who he is. His love for Christ—he has a serious love for Christ. He's a compassionate kid, but he's also—I know you mentioned to me yesterday about him having some swag. <laughs> I was like, yep. yeah, that's. Um, but he's a fun kid. He, he's just who he is, and so yep, step, step back and let him decide. And it came out, and he actually committed on his official visit. Eh? Like he went in. We had no idea what was happening as a family. We didn't know. Um, mm-hmm. My brother was in in town for the official visit too. He uh, lives in uh, Fort Lauderdale in Florida, but he was there. His first time visiting um, Notre Dame. And, uh, yeah, we get in, and all of a sudden, Christian just (laughs) he's, hes talking to Coach Freeman. No one else was in there but our family and Coach Freeman, and he just let it out. And when I say he let it out, it wasn't just the fact that I'm committing here. It was the why. It was, you know, I've been knowing for a while, but I was fighting against it type thing. Like, it was amazing. It was amazing to hear as a parent, like, you for him to come to the understanding that I belong here. Yeah. And, uh and that's what happened. And then the other thing was, you know, my dad was a big part of Christian's life. My dad passed away in 2020. Well, before mm-hmm. my dad passed away, like that February, my dad passed in April, but that February, um we just remembered like my dad talking to Christian. He said, Hey, they were talking about colleges and where to go to school. And my dad mentioned Notre Dame and said, hey, hey, you should go to Notre Dame because um, at least I can watch you on TV <laughs> every weekend. <laughs> and we never came back to that until later that my dad said that to Christian. And, yeah, so it was all of a sudden everything came full circle. Like this is where you're supposed to be. And he had that moment in Coach Freeman's office where he's like, I'm all in. I'm done. Love it. This is what I'm doing.
4: Well, let me ask
1: you the last question for you. And again, I really appreciate the time. This is awesome stuff. So let me ask you, since the commitment has happened now, from your perspective, maybe a little bit from Christians, I one, I have to assume that it's been like a nice relief as in like, hey, he can be a kid now for a little bit, right? Enjoy senior year, do all that type of stuff. I'm sure there's been schools that have continued to try to reach out and be in his ear, all that good stuff, but what have what has just been the atmosphere for you guys since the commitment? Cuz I mean everything I've seen because I follow Christian on Twitter obviously and he's very active and he just seems like he is locked in. So I just want to hear how it's been since the commitment happens.
3: He is totally locked in and um I'm watching him just like you're watching him on Twitter. <laughs> I think for me, when I knew he was locked in, um, he got a offer letter from Alabama. And the same day he got that offer letter was the day when I knew he was locked in was when he did the Bon Jovi video on Twitter. Because that's the same day he received that offer letter. And I was like, he's all in. Like, yeah. nobody, no nothing you can send to him can say to him that he sold, like he's sold, he's all in. And that was for me, um, I knew it before then, but I guess to him, to the people mm-hmm. um, and to other people, he was just like, um, listen, there, nobody's listening to me. I am locked in, <laughs> I'm locked yeah. in. And he did that video. And that, I could not stop, I could not stop laughing. I could not, and I was like, I have to let you be who you are. <laughs> and this is who you are. And he's a fun kid though. Like he really is a fun kid. Um, he's like that cool kid, smart kid, but the sweat, like I don't know. This this kid that I'm seeing, I am very proud of. Like I can't, I love him just being able to be who he is. And um, yeah, so you don't see me like correcting him a whole lot anymore. Like I would correct him like, like, you can't post that. Take that down. You can't have that. But now I'm like kid this is just who you are. and like i said he loves the lord he mm-hmm. loves football oh my god he loves the game of football and um and i think the notre dame fans just like have made him like he is this whole nother kid like he's embraced it um and he's embraced i saw him helping with recruitment like that's when i knew like okay you're good i don't have to worry about you receiving all these other calls these messages like you so you're yeah. you're all in too. i love it i love it
1: so I'm, I'm so glad that everything's been going well since the since the decision like i said shonda i'm really happy that now christian can kind of just be a kid for a few months until the college journey officially starts i want to thank you so much this was fantastic i could have kept you for like an hour but i <laughs> want to be cognizant of your time again joined by shonda gray the mother of christian gray star 2023 cornerback commit to the university of notre dame shonda best of luck to you and your family thank you again so much for joining the podcast
3: today Thank you for having me, Ryan. Appreciate it.
1: All right. Well, there you have it. That is Shonda Gray, the mother of 2023 cornerback Christian Gray out of the Smed Jesuit in St. Louis, Missouri. I have now here with me. He's not here to start the show, but he is here now. Mr. Sean Davis, of course, recruiting analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. Sean, I want to start this conversation off, man, because I just kind of want to you know, there's a lot of – this is the fun time for me, right? Because we did the backstory on how Christian Gray ended up at Notre Dame. You did a tremendous job on that particular recruitment. You developed a nice relationship, I know, with him. So we know a lot of the backstory. and LSU was in the conversation, of course, Ohio State, USC. Like, there were a lot of schools, and, I mean, I didn't – I knew that Alabama had kind of come in late there, but I didn't know that it was like uh, just kind of tossing it to the side, which is pretty bizarre, man, but – Just to kind of recap this a little bit. I mean, a lot of great notes there. But, Sean, I know that you've been able to, like I said, get to know Christian. So any thoughts that you just have, you know, following that interview? Again, I just really want to appreciate Shonda so much for taking the time, Sean. And there's actually one chat that I wanted to pull up before I let you give your thoughts. Was that someone, she used the word gap closer in her conversation, right? She talked about Coach Freeman, Coach Mickens, or gap closers to her. Well, this was a nice comment from Irishman, the El, um, the Liddy's big house hater. He said, this mom is a gap-closing mom. She knows her football. And I agree completely, Irishman. I'll say this before I let Sean kick us off here with the, with the deeper conversation. Sean is a wonderful one, wonderful lady. She is raising Christian by herself, raising another mother by herself, and educator, has been in the education field for 23 years, Just a wonderful woman, man, if I'm being completely honest. And you could see why Christian is so well-grounded and so mature for his age and made a really calculated decision. But, Sean, any takeaways from them or just, you know, conversations that you've had with Christian in the past? I know you got to know him, obviously.
4: Uh, What you saw in the interview was just an example of, you know, just spending time talking to each member of the family, understanding the importance of a young man losing his father at a young age having his grandfather there and then to lose his grandfather uh, who was so vitally important to him growing as a man after he lost his dad and just how strong they are in their faith, you know, and and they they stuck to that and they believe that through that faith, they would find the right answer. But then, you know, for his mom to take the process as serious as she took the process, having the 10 questions, asking and being realist, uh, realistic with Coach Freeman and Coach Mickens, like, you guys are too good. You're not going to be here for, the you know, the full four years that my son is going to be here. Like, who has that type of thought process and goes that far down the line? But those are great questions when it comes to the development, not as a football player singularly, but as a young man as well. Because those are two people that, Her Christian and the rest of the family were very impressed with when he was just the DC and you know defensive backs coach, and you know just going through the process, the ups and downs. We knew about the pull from Coach Steeples down there, LSU, someone that had been had groomed him and been with him as he through uh, his career as a football player and a young man, and it was a tug and pull. Uh, But the one thing I can point out that kind of (laughs) highlights. the back and forth between Christian and his mom that was there. I remember being on the phone with him uh, right after his visit in April. And um, we're sitting there and it's a Sunday night and we're talking. And actually our conversation was about church earlier that day. Okay. Oh, What happened at church? And then I talked about what happened at my church. And that was our conversation. And we're going back and forth. We're not even talking recruiting. And so I was like, yo, I know you're going back and forth, but are you ready to make a decision? And he says, yeah, I'm ready to set my decision date. And I said, okay. And then his mother chimes in, which goes back to her following him on in, on social media. She's like ear hawking our conversation, right? <laughs> <laughs> and just unsolicited, she, follow, she comes in like, you should do it on May the 15th. And I'm like, what? And then he's like, no, I want to do it on July the 4th. Well, no one's going to be able to come to it because they'll be with their families. No, they won't. They'll still come back. Like, and this conversation is going back and forth. And this is when we found out about the July the 4th date that we eventually put up before anybody else got the news. And um, just that relationship and going back and forth. And it, wasn't a, it was a difficult process because of the process. Yeah. But it was a process that they enjoyed as a family. And that was really cool to see like a full family involvement and investment in the process with the young man, ultimately leaving the decision up to him. But that moment for me in his recruiting kind of like encapsulates some of the things she pointed out. That phone call on that Sunday night, how important that faith was. The fact, mm-hmm. we're not even talking recruiting. We're talking faith. Yeah. on a recruiting call, and then we eventually got to a setting of the date, and eventually where he stood with Notre Dame, and coming away from that conversation, that's when I told uh Brian, oh, this kid, he's coming to Notre Dame. Like, he still has a decision to make. There's going to be some back and forth, but eventually he's going to come to Notre Dame. So, yeah. yeah, I think that phone call from me in early May, uh, right after he came in for his April visit was all I needed to know. And it kind of like encapsulates everything with his recruitment. She's such a great, she's such a joy to talk to. Like just watching you interview her. I know you felt it during the interview, but just her warmth even over the phone and she's talking to Christian and like just everything. She's just such a joy to talk to and be around.
1: Nah, she's a lo- she's a lovely human being, Sean. I told her before the interview started that I was going to keep her for like fifteen minutes, and I kept her mm-hmm. for a half an hour. So yeah. if we're gonna if we're gonna quantify yeah. it, right? Like yeah. I, it just again, Is I can't thank felt- Sean enough for taking the time for one just mm-hmm. incredible backstory, man. Like it really was. Really appreciated her kind of covering yeah. the fa- you know, the, the passing of the father in the past, and and you know, she let Christian lead the pack for the recruitment but as a for as an educator right like she understood the importance of like also 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 being a guiding light in this recruitment to a degree as well right so fantastic interview honestly hearing it back this time you know even more than doing the actual interview i got goosebumps man when she was talking about you know just how much she loves christian you know like you could feel it right like it, it was it was real it's like rawness, you know, and then you could feel it. And obviously it's a mother that just wants the best for her son. And she's, you know, has another daughter that, that goes to Ohio State. We won't hold it against Shonda, by the way. But, you know, at least, at least one 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 uh, one of your kids made the right decision to go into Notre Dame, hopefully. So, um, yeah, just a fantastic interview. So yeah. want to thank Shonda want to thank Sean, of course, for joining the show for one, but then also too, Sean, again, you did a tremendous job building that relationship with Christian and covering that. I like to think that people, if, if you've come here for Irish Breakdown, I like to think that it's for those types of backstories, right? Like that's that's the stuff that I think makes us unique, right? Like th- that conversation that you just had about the phone call talking about church, because that was the thing that Chris that Shonda told me in that interview and, and the first time that we tried to record is that like... Her three biggest thing are family, faith, and education, right? right. And you can just hear the, how much faith means to her, which is awesome, right? So I, I love it. I love it. So let's move on, though. Again, Shonda Gray, mother, Christian Gray, love the conversation. It was truly a pleasure to have her on the podcast. We've now had four different parents on the podcast, Sean, which is uh, pretty cool. I want to get to everyone, but, uh, you know, some people have tough schedules, but appreciate Shonda so much for uh, – for for joining us today, so Sean, big recruiting weekend this past weekend against Stanford. I know we, if you listen to our po- post game podcast, you know that we were very critical of the team's performance, the coaching's per- coaching performance of their loss, sixteen to fourteen against Stanford. And I know that some people in the chat are saying, "Oh, that's that, that was you know probably terrible for the recruits." I'll say this, Sean: I haven't gotten a single negative feedback whether talking to a recruit that was on campus. Or talking to someone close to a recruit that was on campus, or talking to someone that is close to the situation that this weekend wasn't success. Right? It wasn't a it, it was a success on the recruiting side of things. Was it a success on field? No, it was not. But on paper, from the recruiting aspect, Notre Dame moved the needle with a lot of kids this weekend. Let's start with the obvious one where we had the announcement on Irish Breakdown at three. It was at four o'clock Eastern Time on Saturday. Jeremiah Love running back out of Christian Brothers High School um, Collegiate Prep, excuse me, Christian Brothers Collegiate Prep in St. Louis, Missouri, committed to the University of Notre Dame Sean did it live on our show. He had been silently committed to the staff since the bye week, Friday of the bye week, makes the, the full commitment on the show publicly huge get for Notre Dame, right? We haven't talked about it at, at yeah. me and you together yet. So just give me your thoughts. Obviously a big get for Notre Dame, one that we knew was going to happen. Awesome have on the show, but Notre Dame got a really good one in Jeremiah Love in the 2023 class.
4: The class is building up, becoming even more impressive. Notre Dame as a staff is doing an incredible job mining the talent out of the St. Louis area. And Jeremiah Love is one of the most explosive players that they can get from the area. 23 running back. You can use him in so many different ways. He's used in the passing game of Christian Brothers. He's an explosive runner. They use him running inside, outside. He's definitely, I think you did, wrote a great article just about a month ago on how he important he was or how important it was to get him in the 23 class because the type of playmaker he was. And so, you know, I just echo those sentiments. And I don't know how similar his recruitment was to Christian. Ultimately, it came down to two schools, you know, trying to make that decision. and. Uh, it ended up going for Notre Dame, like you said, the Friday of the bye week. So, St. Louis has now gotten to the standpoint where the influence is heavy based upon what Notre Dame has been able to do over the last three to four years. And so, you're, Notre Dame's going to be like top three just off the bat for a lot of kids in the St. Louis area because you have kids who are in eighth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, and freshmen that look up to these guys as the best players in the area, area and they're saying, look, I'm, I want to go to Notre Dame too. I want to see what Notre Dame is all about. So now you have a head start, and that's how you kind of put, you know, get a footprint in a particular area like that, signing some of the best players. And hopefully Ryan Wingo, Jeremiah McClellan, and the rest of the young guys to follow and that talent-laden city and surrounding area will want the same type of attention from Notre Dame and will see Notre Dame the same way as their predecessors.
1: Well, let's stay let's stay the St. Louis route, Sean, because it's a perfect segue. I missed the segue, man, from Christian Gray to Jeremiah Love. It was such an easy segue, the St. Louis t- pipeline, right? But Notre Dame also had – Couple very talented St. Louis prospects in the 2024 recruiting class on pro- on on campus as well. Talked about Jeremiah Love, the massive commitment. Again, congratulations to Jeremiah, Jason, his entire family for the commitment to Notre Dame. Christian mm-hmm. Gray already in the class, but Jeremiah McClellan, 2024 wide receiver out of Christian Brothers as well, teammate of Jeremiah Love, as well as Ryan Wingo. Sean was on campus, who is. Depending what platform you 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 prioritize on the recruiting trails, is considered in the conversation as the top receiver in the 2024 class. So, two dynamic pass catchers on campus from everything that we've heard. I'm gonna have a little more in depth kind of analysis on the Ryan Wingo side of everything. Yeah, all I'll say is this: I talked to Jeremiah McClellan and a couple people close to him. They told me that, one, it was awesome to see Jeremiah Love make his commitment. That was big for Jeremiah McClellan, right? That was a big moment for them as teammates, as brothers, all that good stuff, right? Like, that was a big moment for him. He also told me that Notre Dame is in a really good spot, right? Like, they they make a lot of sense to him. But it, Jeremiah Love is not going to be the reason that Jeremiah McClellan picks Notre Dame, but it right. is a big help to the cause of of getting a guy like a jeremiah mcclellan so in a good spot with jeremiah leaving the visit and i would also say this for ryan wingo this is now again the fourth time in the last year and a half that he has been on campus that is the tangible stuff and i know someone said this before sean it was like well cardinal tate was on campus a ton yes you're right about that but i think that there are the things that that um that are running the recruitment on both sides are a little different, right? And we'll just leave that conversation alone at that point. So Ryan Wingo from every indication I've asked multiple recruits, multiple parents. It sounds like the, the trip went very well, but I will have a little more in depth as far as some analysis from the side of Ryan Wingo. And uh, yeah, I think that both of them had a great time, obviously, but Sean, you talked about it a little bit already. I want to finish the conversation with those two players. Notre Dame is tapping into that St. Louis pipeline. Talk yeah. about Kyron Williams in the past, you talk about Gabriel Rubio on the on the roster right now, you talk about Tyson Ford on the roster right now. I also didn't know Sean that the coach for Christian Grey right now was actually Tyson Ford's coach last year. I found that out like a, a month what? ago and I never said anything to you about it. But so you've tapped into the class now or to St. Louis the last couple of classes and now you have an opportunity to really continue that pipeline with a couple dynamic receivers in 2024. You're in good position with both. I think it's very important for them to continue to tap into St. Louis and get those types of dynamic players out of there.
4: You have to, the air man, the area is so fertile. I can go to, you know, in my childhood and how good Illinois was as a program. They recruited East St. Louis and St. Louis very heavily. When you see the ascension of Oklahoma, and you go back and look at the areas that they dug into, St. Louis was a pipeline for Bob Stoops and the Oklahoma Sooners when he ascended and brought that program to national prominence. Like, St. Louis is a legit reason for a lot of programs taking a step or taking the next step and building a talent base on their team. You know, and when you can't have Indiana as your fertile – Backdrop, in recruiting, like an Ohio State has Ohio, like Michigan and Michigan State has Michigan. It's cool to be able to go to a Chicago or it's cool to be able to go to a St. Louis and say, this: these are our two pipelines from these metropolitan areas to say, okay, this is our foundation. And from that foundation, now we can go out and add to that because we know we can go get guys from these two pipelines here. So. You're absolutely right.
1: Yeah. And quick note, I know someone just put in the chat. I said it at the beginning of the show, but I just want to put it out there again. There's going to be three shows today. The one we're doing now, of course, which is Notre Dame Recruiting Hour at 6 o'clock Eastern time. They will have the IB Nation Sports Talk Show with Sean Styers and Vince Dario. Tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern is upon further review. It's usually a Sunday thing, but there were some scheduling conflicts. I know Vince couldn't get on the show, and then Brian asked me, and I couldn't get on the show either with uh, just – running around and doing all that type of stuff so tonight eight o'clock eastern time will be the upon further review all right so sean that covers most of st louis guys we had some intel on the board at boards.irishbreakdown.com but intel from both myself and sean that went into that piece so if you're not signed up to boards.irishbreakdown.com you should go right now because it was a very lengthy intel piece and then i had something that i put on the board this morning sean that i want to just i want to have a conversation about for a second okay? okay so we all heard the news leading up to the weekend that Christopher Tarek who is a 2023 offensive lineman out of Glenbard West he is committed currently to the University of Wisconsin 6'6 mm-hmm. 295 pounds was going to be on campus in Notre Dame the initial thought is Wisconsin commit what, what what's the deal there right you lost your coach as you looking right. around. And at the time, we had heard that this was going to kind of be an evaluation opportunity for Notre Dame, right? Like they had seen Christopher Terrick's film, liked it obviously, but like, you know, hadn't seen him in person, wanted to just kind of do all the, you know, the sizing up stuff. And because Notre Dame does want to get back to five in this offensive line class. You know, you have a great baseline with Charles Jagasaw, Sullivan Absher, Sam Pendleton and Joe Otting. Like that's fantastic. But they do want to add a fifth to this class. Now, my initial thought is, hey, true left tackle type is what you're going after in this class, right? Because that's what you don't have. You lost Elijah Page to USC. That was where he projected. And then people started asking about Christopher Tarek. I'm like, I like Christopher Tarek in a vacuum. Is he a Notre Dame fit from a playing perspective? Yeah, he is. I, just, I see him more as, a, as an interior player, a guard, maybe a right tackle at the next level. I don't see him as a left tackle, right? So people ask about that, and I'm just like, you know, we'll see what happens. So, got intel directly from Christopher Tarek. So, you know, it's very good intel that I have. I put on the board earlier, Christopher Tarek did get an official offer from the University of Notre Dame this past weekend. All right? So, clearly, the sizing up, figuring out the relationship, the fit, makes sense for Notre Dame. So, they did extend an offer to Christopher Tarek. They did. Now, next step with this guy, right? Right? Christopher reiterated to me that he is committed to the University of Wisconsin. It's what he is right now, right? But the next week or two seems like it's going to be a little bit of a let's see what happens type of thing, right? There's no process of decommitting. There's nothing out there right now, right? Like we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen with this. All I'm saying, though, is that Christopher Tarek did get an offer from Notre Dame. He's interested in Notre Dame. Will that be able to trump his current commitment to Wisconsin? I have no idea. I have no idea. Just know that it is on his mind. He is weighing options, all that good stuff. But right now he's still committed to the University of Wisconsin, but I think Notre Dame really made waves in this, in this recruitment. So if the decommitment does happen in the future, I think Notre Dame will be in a very good spot for Christopher Tarek, but I'm not sure if it did quite enough to make him decommit for Wisconsin. So We'll leave it there, but that is kind of the intel that we have on Christopher Tarek. Again, 2023 offensive lineman out of the state of Illinois. John, I'm sure you probably have heard his name a little bit with uh, your roots in the past, I'm sure.
4: Yeah, you know, especially from Glenbard West, that area out there, which is a fertile and really good upstate 8 division of high school football, very competitive, and, um, you know, we say this all the time. Like, anytime you look at a position in recruiting you look to see which schools are recruiting that young man. And when you look at his offers and you see, oh, Iowa wanted him, Wisconsin wanted him, and he's an offensive lineman, then you feel like there has to be something there. Now, where he fits in with you, do they want him at a tackle at Iowa? Do they want him at a tackle at Wisconsin? That might not be what you want him to be at Notre Dame or where you forecast him to be. But that's a conversation you have with the young man on the visit. And if the conversation, if you can come to a a ground or to say, look, you come in, you compete, and we'll figure out where to put you. We know we want you on our team and in our program. Then you have a a situation where he gets an offer like he did this weekend. And like you said, you know, nothing. He hasn't pulled the trigger. And I think out of respect, you know, I love when recruits don't overreact to firings, mm-hmm. you know, the schools that they're committed to. Like, allow the school to have the opportunity to fill that position, talk to the coaches, and then weigh the situation. Um, the difficult thing for him is the coaching hire is probably going to be really close to signing day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yep. it's like if you wait that long,
1: It might be filled up. There might not be other opportunities. Yeah, Yeah, it's it gets tough. It gets tough. It's a numbers game at the end of the day, man. So, yeah, I mean, because this is what Notre Dame, like this is what I'm thinking with Notre Dame side of things, right? And again, we don't know if this is going to happen. This is just speculation. But if they uh, after a couple weeks here, if Tarek says, you know, I'm committed to Wisconsin, like that's all it is, right? Like I'm not, I'm not moving, I'm not moving off of that commitment. Then Notre Dame has to go to the next kid, right, Sean, or the next couple kids. Like they have to try to figure out if they want a fifth offense lineman. Now, if it stays at four. And Christopher Tarek around Saturday is like, hey, I've had second thoughts and I don't want to go to Wisconsin. Right. Then you have a you have a spot for him. But, like, that spot could fill up is the point, to your, to your points, right? Yeah. So it's going to be interesting, man. But just a quick note on him. Did get offer extended to him this past weekend. We were the first to report that, by the way. That's why you sign up at boards.irishbreakdown.com. And you would have known that at, like, uh, 10 o'clock this morning. So make sure you go check out the board. Some fantastic info, in my opinion. Sean. Talked about Ryan Wingo, talked about terror, talked about all the St. Louis kids. last couple of guys that I want to talk about are commits that were on campus, okay? So one, CJ Carr, who's just making it a, you know, making it a, a great stomping ground. He was on campus. Dylan Edwards was on campus. Great list of, of players that were on campus here at Notre Dame again. The one guy, though, that I really want to hyper-focus on, and I have a piece coming out on this young man here very soon, is Drake Bowen. Another guy that you've gotten to know very well in this class, Sean. And look, I don't know if this is how the 2023 recruiting class sees Drake. Like, I don't, I'm not going to speak for all those kids, right? The 23 recruits that are in the class, 22, not counting Drake. But Drake Bowen strikes me as the leader of this group, right? Like, that's how he strikes me. He is clearly has a lot of respect from the other players in the class And he's the guy, Sean, and again, he's an Indiana kid, so we can make this work, but he's there every single weekend, it seems like, right? He is all Irish, and I have a piece coming out today on some of the comments that he made to me after the the trip, and I'll say this, Sean, that's the kid that people need to rally behind right now. That's the young man, because through adversity, leadership is shown, right? That's where your leaders really show themselves, and again... Things are not going the way Notre Dame wants it right now on the field. It's not happening, right? It's not. But through all the adversity that this team has went through, a de- couple of decommitments, a couple unfortunate losses to subpar competition, to, that they were clearly the superior talents, and a lot of questions being thrown out about some coaches on the staff and their futures, I just want to take a minute to really applaud Drake Bowen Because he stands the test of time, man. And he's what this 2023 class needs, in my opinion. That's the leader of this class for me.
4: Totally agree. And the way he does it. He shows up, but he has a smile on his face. When they lose, doesn't change his his, uh, temperament at all. His mindset towards the coaching staff, towards the program, he's not moved at all. And... I'm going to say this, and some people might agree, disagree, but whether you believe it or not, this is the mindset of the 2023 class. They're coming to Notre Dame to change things. i say that again. They're taking it upon themselves as the 2023 class to come to Notre Dame to change things. Now, you might think, Notre Dame and what was accomplished under Brian Kelly was fantastic. Multiple college football playoff berths, you know, 10 win seasons consecutively for five years. Everything was great. But there was a recognition, and whether or not you want to believe it, nationally, the way Mm -hmm. Notre Dame was viewed by recruits was not the best. Yep. It wasn't the best. That changed with the hiring of Marcus Freeman. It continues to get better. And this task that has been put before the first four recruiting class, they're taking it. They want to come here and be the class that causes Notre Dame to take the next step and become a legit title contender. That's why you get the three receivers in the class on one of the worst moments after a home loss to Marshall, tweeting Mm -hmm. out together their conversation wait until we get there next year because they know and they expect their class to be the start of things changing
3: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to do's bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app
1: We literally had a question like basically asking that, right? Like what's the pitch? And we'll get into that during the mailbag. And again, we're going to have one more part of the segment and then we're going to hit the mailbag. So if you want to start throwing questions in, we already have a few, a bunch that are starred, but keep throwing in questions. We'll be able to answer a, bu- a bunch here at the end because we'll have a lot of time. So I agree though. I agree. These players, we'll, we'll, get, to, we'll get into it more in the mailbag, but yeah, I agree. So, This morning, Sean, I put out a piece, the weekly piece that I do every single Monday morning is a recap of some of the top high school performances from this past week. So I wanted to throw it in the chat real quick because I'd like to do that just so people have it because I've told people many times I am a visual learner, so you talking at me and telling me things doesn't always sync, right? Like it doesn't always get in the minds. But Reading something does for me, so yes, I wanted to just throw that in. It's right there in the chat. If anybody wants to take a look at the most recent article, so Sean, I love doing this, man, because these guys are playing their butts off all year, and they deserve a little bit of recognition for the great games that they've had over this past week. And also say this is it gives us a little, little bit of a, uh, little bit of a heads up, like oh man, guys, pretty good, right? We should get yeah. a little excited about some of these guys that are coming to Notre Dame. So. Yeah. Highlighted six players, including one player that uh, pulled off a incredible highlight reel catch in this this past week. And I'm sure you already know who that is that I'm talking about, Sean, because it's been circulating Twitter. First player though, CJ Carr, quarterback, Celine High School in the state of Michigan. So Sean, his team has actually lost two straight games now. Celine is now yeah. six and two on the year. They lost 21 to 6, uh, 21 to 14, excuse me, to Dexter High School. But we know that we talked about it last last Monday, right? CJ Carr had a bit of a bad bad day the week before, right? Like it was a down game when they got shut out 7-0. This game was much more clean for CJ. 26 yeah. of 32 passing. 26 out of 32 passing for 225 yards. No turnovers on the day. That is an 81% completion percentage on this game. So CJ was sharp. He didn't turn the football over. It was nice to see him again because we talked about it after after week one. He had an uneven performance. He came back, and he had a couple a few good weeks in a row. After yeah. a bad week last week, it was nice to see him come back and be a very efficient and turnover-free passer this past week for Celine.
4: You know, we, we kind of talked about it. No, we really kind of glossed over it, right? Because people were kind of like ready to jump off the ledge. Mm-hmm. Over one bad game, he struggled. Once again, I can point, look, Dante Moore struggled the first two games of his senior season, (laughs) you know, came to face Warren Central in Indianapolis, got smacked, and got sent back home. So this is football. This is why you play the game. Like, you can walk out there, and, man, it's just not your night. And last game for CJ, it wasn't his night. And they lose two consecutive games. But as you watch the film, he had one spin move when he scrambled to the left and avoided a defender. And it's like, okay, I like this kid. Um, more and more of his game, the more I watch him, the more I like certain ass facets of his uh game. And I can't wait to get him on campus, you know. um, Yeah, I can't wait to get him on campus. You know who's going to be in control of him when he gets to campus? It's whole another conversation, but I can't wait to get this young man on campus.
1: Yep, and whether that is 2023 or 2024 class, because he's obviously he's a 2024 quarterback right now. There's been a lot oh. of conversations about uh, reclassification. We'll yeah. see; still has not been decided yet. But CJ Carr had a nice day for Celine High School. Two running backs, Sean, that want to hit on real quick. Well, mm-hmm. sort of running backs. One's a running back on the next level one is a running back currently but will be a wide receiver at notre dame of course the newest commit in the class i'm so happy now after a couple weeks of knowing that jeremiah love was going to notre dame for sure for sure 100 that i had to leave him at the bottom of these pieces as a target to watch right i can finally now put him in the commit column for notre dame so Jeremiah Love, Sean, I wanted to put it in here because Christian Brothers moved to 7-1 and one after their 52-25 to 25 victory over Warren Central. Jeremiah had 85 yards and a touchdown on only 12 carries, so it was not needed a ton in this game. But again, dominant team, Christian Brothers out of out of the St. Louis area. They have been that way for a few years now, also in that game. 2023 wide receiver target Jeremiah McClellan, which we touched on, was playing Wildcat quarterback, Sean, and took one about 60 yards. So uh yeah, he's pretty good too, man. They're both good football football players. So they had he had a big day. Christian Brothers had a big day. And a weekly occurrence here, we talk about Dylan Edwards, the wide receiver commit from Notre Dame, but plays running back for Derby High School. Sean, they defeated May South 55 to seven in this game. Dylan Edwards ran for 119 yards and three touchdowns. Also, highlight that hit tw- the Twitterverse, had a 50-yard touchdown reception in this game where he made somebody look absolutely silly in the open field. So a couple of dynamic playmakers, Sean, that I to highlight this week. One being Jeremiah Love, the other being Dylan Edwards. I know that people are less optimistic about the future of the skill position, but I think that a couple of these guys are going to do
4: wonders at Notre Dame when they get here next fall. Well, you know, it's not as simple as just, you know, you look at the offensive output being shut out at home against a poor Stanford defense and then only scoring 14 in the totality. Yeah, I would be frustrated and would be looking to add talent and speed to the roster. And the 23 class definitely is going to do that add speed, athleticism, and explosiveness to the roster. You bring back a Jadarian Price from injury. So there are things to be happy about or to have hope about when it comes to that talent. But, you know, there are some other issues that have to be solved as well. And then you're going to have to allow this talent, you know, let me stop short because I was about to use the word develop and I'm not using that word anymore. It's like, look, these kids are good. Let them go play. They're good. Let them go play. Right. Do you remember over the summer we did shows, and people in the chat would say, Yeah, this kid, he played for Georgia Tech. The ACC isn't that good. The out of this, the out that. It's going to be a big difference going from the ACC to the SEC. What do you think about Jameer Gibbs now?
1: He's <laughs> very good, man. He's very good. I
4: had a high opinion before he came,
1: Sean, but yes, to your point, he's, he's done pretty well. He's
4: done pretty Either well. you can play or you can't. I think several of these kids are going to step on campus, whether it's early or it's in the fall, and they're going to prove immediately, I need the ball. Yeah. Give me the ball. Now, once they prove that, it's up to the staff to actually do that in games. But I agree with you. Yeah. There's a lot of talent offensively from a skill set position coming to Notre Dame in this 23 class.
1: There is, man, and I'll say this. I also have another piece coming out on Jaden Greathouse. The other reason that you should be on BoarzidersBreakdown dot is Sean Smith, who contributes to, to the site as well. He put out a a. He was actually in person this week against Westlake. Sean a uh, uh, Westlake's game against uh, uh, Dripping Springs, which is also mm-hmm. Novosad's team, and he put out an intel piece that was just. I mean, he was just yes, this guy's good. <laughs> this guy's very good, type of thing, mm-hmm. right? So. That's another reason that you want to get that a little bit of Intel at boardssidebreakdown.com because we have people that are actually seeing these guys in person and giving you real analysis, not just you know cookie cutter stuff and rumors. I mean, we'll give you rumors, we'll give you Intel, we'll give you all that stuff too, but we have people that can act can also break down film, which is always nice. So yes, they have weapons coming. Their name has weapons coming. It has to be did I say something incorrect? Oh, I said Sean Smith. I'm sorry. Sean Smith was a former defensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs. I met Brian Smith. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you, Salty. Yes, Brian Smith, who runs the Central Florida site for Sports Illustrated as well. Thank you so much for that. For that. Uh, yeah, for that uh, that error on my part. We're all human, all right. We're all human. I know I'm pretty awesome and good looking and intelligent, but uh, but yes, talk that no tall, Brian.
4: Talk that tall
1: try it man try it salty asked uh ryan when is the article on the great one being published uh maybe today salty if not probably tomorrow morning so that'll be out pretty soon that'll be out pretty soon it was kind of a recap from his past game brian had a chance to sit down with him after the game to just get a few quotes and all that good stuff to just he kind of gave his perspective on the transition to notre dame what he's gonna be working on what his expectations are like that type of piece so uh all right, Sean, so that is the pass catchers for the week, or the uh, weapons, I should say. I wanted to highlight this one, Sean, because this is bananas, okay? This is absolutely bananas. This is a defensive lineman that I want to get into next. Probably the most impressive game of the week. It's close. There's two defensive players on this list that I think had equally as dominant games. Yeah. But we haven't talked much about Owen Waifel, who is a 2024 defensive line commit, out of the Hun School in Princeton, New Jersey, right here in my home state. The Hun School defeated Hill School. That's weird. Hun School versus Hill School. They won 48-7. to Sean, in this game alone, Owen way had 13 total tackles. Playing a nose tackle, three-tech position also. He plays a little bit on the edge. He had 13 tackles, seven tackles for loss, and four sacks on this game. I'll say this again for people. This is not season totals. He had 13 total tackles, 7 tackles for loss, and 4 sacks. want to talk about a dominant season. Owen Waifel, so far this year through 6 games, has 43 tackles, 19 tackles for loss, and 6 sacks while also playing fullback for his offense as well. So, it was a dominating uh, dominated performance, Sean. Again, I just want to put this out in the universe again. 13 total tackles, 7 tackles for loss, and 4 sacks. Dominating performance from a guy that we don't talk about enough, Owen Waifel.
4: Look, you start talking about Waifel, you start talking about Armel, you just go down the list. It's amazing how this staff at various positions has gone out, identified people that were kind of off the radar, outside the top 300 or whatever you want to say. All of a sudden, they offer these kids, they get on these kids, and then here comes the rest of the herd after Notre Dame offers, here comes everyone else. And they got on the way for early. But like you said, you know, when you watch his film, eventually, I think I tried to comp him initially. I'm like, yo, are they going to add weight to him and put him inside? Yeah. Are they going to leave him at a power end? Like, what? what is this? And I'm starting to see, like, you know what? Just, Just just let them play. Just let them play. Like, find ways to use them and let them play. Because the kid looks like a kid that's going to come in and make plays and be disruptive on the defensive line. And that that's needed. That's needed at Notre Dame. Like, you talk about the speed and explosive explosiveness needed on the offensive side of the ball. What you're seeing from Owen for on film this year is very much needed on the defensive side of the ball at Notre Dame as you project forward. So. He's one of those kids that caught my eye. I can tell you that. Him, Rico, Tayshawn Lyons as, as of late with the film they've been putting out there. And, make, and, and of course, Cam Williams mm-hmm. this year has just kind of, like, taken off in season. Oh, yeah. Some of these kids, man, that Notre Dame got on and, and got commitments from, I don't know if Notre Dame really knew Like, how, like, yo, okay. I think some of the Notre Dame coaches are watching what Owen Wafer was doing and saying, oh, wow, okay. We knew it was going to be good, but. Yeah.
1: Well, Sean, it's a great point because Cam Williams, to your point, is now rated as a top 25 player in the country according to On3, right? And he's a borderline five-star. I actually, I I felt so good about that ranking coming out because I put out a piece last week that was like, hey, Cam And we talked about it on the show last week. I was yeah. like, hey, Cam Williams might be a five-star before everything's done. Like He might, might be. be, man. Yeah. He's been that dominant. And yeah. he – yeah, he, he looks great. And then to your point about Owen Waifel, I just want to spend a little bit of time talking about him, right, because we don't enough. Right. On a – he was an interesting recruitment at the time, right, because he's a 6'3", 270 pound defensive lineman kind of a tweener like you said is he an edge is he going to play in the interior where's he going to play we know Notre Dame sees him as an interior player most likely I think he can play strong side defensive end but I think they see him as a nose three tech right like somewhere in there like he's a playmaking one gap penetration style player so that's where they see him but if you look at like the box score for a second we know he was better than the box score indicated but as a sophomore he had like five tackles for loss in a sack right you're like. okay, okay. But then this is why the evaluation period happens every offseason, right? They saw him in person a couple times. They're like, oh, he's going to explode, right? Because he's physically so powerful, plays with an incredible motor. I mean, there is no plays off for Owen Waifel. And now we hear six games into the season, Sean. He just had a game where he had more tackles for loss in a single game than he had all last year as a sophomore. He took a huge, huge jump from a sophomore to junior year 19 tackles for loss through six games, six sacks, 40-plus tackles. I believe he leads the team in tackles playing defensive tackle, which is a hard thing to do. It's not easy, man. It's designed for linebackers to make a ton of plays, right? Like defensive tackles are not supposed to make that many plays. So he's had a phenomenal year, and he's on a team quietly. No one talks about the Hunt School enough. But the Hunt School puts out talent, man. A year-to-year basis. I mean, they have a senior quarterback that's going to Iowa. They have a senior offensive tackle that's committed to the University of Oklahoma. They have another offensive tackle that I think is committed to Kentucky, if I remember correctly. Or no, I'm sorry. They're committed to Illinois, actually. They have an offensive tackle that's committed to Illinois. So they have a really talented team. And Owen Waifel has been as good as anyone, right? So big, big time recruits. Now he's going to be trending upward in this recruiting class. And a predominant performance from Owen Waiful, man. So need to give him a little bit of props. And like you said, Cam Williams needs a little bit of props too. Didn't put him on this list because he's another guy that makes it every single week. But yeah. a couple twenty twenty four kids that are trending upward, being
4: faithful. Get his get that game you were talking about. His get off, like he's chasing running backs down from behind. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, what happened? Like, what extra chip did they put in his back this year that he didn't have last year? But you can definitely see, and I think you talk about it a lot, the jump from sophomore to junior year for most kids in high school, you see it. You know, some people call it it, the glow, whatever you want to call it, there's something special on Owen Wafer, right? And Notre Dame, whatever they saw, During his sophomore year, I'm glad they saw it because now they're being rewarded for being able to diagnose, you know, what they saw in that film. And now they just have to lock in and keep them in the class. Because I expect – I definitely expect more programs to come calling.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. I definitely
4: expect the big boys. Yes. Oh, man. Cam
1: Williams is going to be hearing from every team in the country, Sean. SEC. He's yeah. heard from most Big Ten schools at this point, but, like, SEC yeah. all the way to the West Coast. Because, he's, again, he's a high academic kid that yeah. can get into any school he wants. That's a high-caliber ca- high football program. And he's got SEC speed. He's got SEC length. Like, everything's there for him, right? Yeah. So, to your yeah. point, yes. There's going to be a lot of suitors. Cam, every time I talk to him, though, man, and everything that he is on Twitter and all that type of stuff, he's locked in, man. He's locked in. So, right now, you feel good about it. But you know, again, gotta hold on to them, right? Gotta hold on to him. Yeah, so on. Yep. all right. Last two guys I wanted to hit on before we hit the mailbag. Again, we have double-digit questions already starred for the mailbag, but keep throwing those guys in. I will keep uh, starring them. Me and Sean will keep starring it, starring them as well. So, Sean, last two, a couple defensive backs. One, Micah Bell. The Kincaid school pushed their record to six and two on the season. They defeated Episcopal School of Dallas, excuse me, twenty to seventeen on this day on uh, Friday, Sean. Not a huge rushing day for Micah Bell. He only had he had eighty yards on eighteen carries, so a very tough day as far as the yardage came. But he scored two touchdowns in this game, and they are on a good trend here. They're moving in the right direction. So another nice day for Micah Bell on the as a running back in a big victory for the Kincaid school. And maybe the performer of the week, Sean. Arguable with Owen Waifell. I, I, I'm okay if you want to give the reward to Owen Waifell. I'm okay if you want to give the award to Adon Don Schuler. Because Adon Schuler was balling in Irvington's fifty two to seven victory this past Saturday. Actually, no, they played Friday night. Uh, sorry, they played Thursday night. I'm all yeah. crossed up. So, Sean, he for people that don't know, Adon is a talented safety in the 2023 class. He had an interception that he returned to the house in this one. Interception, jumped a route on the sideline, took it back for six. That would have been enough to get him on this list, right? Interception, yeah. return for a touchdown, and a big victory. Awesome. Uh, for people that don't know, they've had their struggles offensively this year, Irvington, so they moved Adon Shuler to offense as well. So he's been playing Wildcat quarterback a ton. Sean, he had 239 yards and a touchdown on 10 carries. My man averaged 23.9 yards per cat, per, per rush, excuse me, also threw the ball for seven yards. He let him throw the ball once and returned a punt for 20 yards. On the day, a defensive player who barely plays offense, he had 326 all-purpose yards in this massive victory. And by the way, they won fifty-two to seven, so he wasn't playing much past halftime, my friend. No, Don no. Schuler was balling this weekend for Irvington,
4: or this week, this past week, I should say. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, "Yo, what? What has their coach been doing this whole time to allow him to be only on the defensive side of the ball? But he continues to be one of the best performers." in the 23 class during this season. He's arguably, if you just want to go from a regional standpoint, he's arguably at least one of the top five players on the East Coast. Arguably, offensively, defensively. I'm talking about going all the way down to the state of Georgia and even into Florida. He's arguably one of the top five players when it comes to performers in their senior season and what they've been able to do doing it defensively, and now adding the offensive side of the ball to the mix. He's fantastic. And you go from a Don Schuler, and I know recently everybody is worried about, you know, Nick Saban, the Crimson Tide, you know, giving him an offer and him posting an offer out of respect on social media. You know, once again, Notre Dame probably for the next couple of years is going to be that school that gets in on guys early and Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia come in late and try to do what they do. You know, take yep. kids late. So, you know, no okay. different with a Don Schuler. But I don't know what his coach is thinking. Like, why why what took you so long to get him on the offensive side <laughs> of the ball? Yeah, his uh his younger teammate, who Notre Dame
1: is in on as well, 2024 safety. I'm gonna butcher the first name, but his last name is Toure. His brother plays at Rutgers, also Muhammad Toure. They moved him both offense, Sean. So they are uh, they're doing some good stuff, man. They're doing some good stuff uh, at, at for Irvington. And I like to note, we're gonna hit on it a little more in depth. But yes, you know, everyone wants to talk about the offer that he just received from Ohio State. We'll cover it a little more intently in the uh, mailbag, but, you know, something to monitor, obviously. But uh, I, I have talked to with Don. I've talked to someone close to with Don and uh, might have a special visitor to the podcast sometime soon that uh, that could give us some insight into everything happening there. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. But to your point, Sean, Notre Dame's struggling. So schools are going to come in, right? They're going to come in Absolutely. hot and heavy and try to get a couple of their guys. Like It's, it's going to yeah. happen. It's going to happen, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Last one. I, I said that a Don was last one. It's the last full scope one. But wanted to throw this in. I added a little end to this end to this uh to this article this week. I called the highlight play of the week. So I don't know if you saw this. Charlotte Catholic tight end. Jack oh, Larson. you know I saw it. You know I saw it. Oh yeah, man. That's so no they lost they they came out on the short end 20 to 19 in, in this this recent game. But in you go look at the article, look at this catch. If you probably see it on Twitter, if you are on Twitter. Jack Larson made this incredible catch fading back through traffic. Just wanted to send Jack some props, man. Talk about hand strength, body control, and just toughness to win through contact. What a catch by Jack Larson. Another guy I know that you've gotten to know a little bit.
4: Man, that kid. Look, remember when we first met and started talking to him. His parents—they had taken a trip, and they were kind of off the radar. So we ended up talking to his coach initially, and his coach is talking about like how this this skinny kid walks on as a freshman and comes on the field. And all of a sudden, he's just making plays and making all these crazy catches. That's how he came into the program, and now we're seeing that he's on that same same wavelength even into his junior season. Uh, their offense with his offense. Targets are not at a premium, but, like, when he is targeted, like, he delivers. Great hands. You saw the hands on that highlight, and I said before, his name just rings out. Like, if there's any name in the, in the 23 or 24 class that you can hear coming over the PA system at Notre Dame Stadium, it's Jack Larson. Like, you can hear, <laughs> Jack, touchdown, Jack Larson. It's, it just sounds natural. It's, it sounds well, Sean, natural. It's,
1: it's tight end. You? It's yes. the red hair, it's yes. Jack Larson, like everything yes. is
4: working for everything winds up. So yeah, I joke with him about that all the time. He's connected to he's the part of the trio that got it started in 24, right? Well, of course, Brandon Davis Swain got it started at the blue and gold game. Yes. For the 24 class. But then after Irish invasion, it was CJ, Jack, and Cam. Mm-hmm. And they're locked in. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we have
1: a fun question that I think we're going to talk about those three specifically here, but uh, that is going to do this section of the podcast. We're going to call this one the recruit roundup and the vi- the visit uh, recap from this past weekend. So before we move on to the mailbag, if you could please like, should pay, uh, what the heck word was I trying to say? Like subscribe to this podcast, hit the notification bell. We generally appreciate it. Go sign up at com. Five-star reviews are Always, always appreciate it. If you don't want to give me a like on this video, give Sean Davis a like on this video. Give Christian Gray's mother, Shonda Gray, a like on this video. Really do appreciate it. Yep, give us a thumbs up. Thank you all so much for that. So Sean, that's going to end it for the recruiting portion of this podcast. (laughs)